Hello, hockey fans, and welcome to another edition of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Alongside Chris Lisa, as always, we're going to welcome back Matt Pryor. Matt, what's going on, man? Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Man, you got you got uh, the two hottest teams in hockey under your under your uh, under your wings there, Dallas, and uh, surprising to some, maybe not to others, but we're here to talk Florida Panthers hockey tonight. Yeah, it's a it's a, life is tough right now. <laughs> well, uh, we had some news of the day. We always do our first segment. We go around the league and talk uh, current current events here in the National Hockey League and the Kings and their star center Andre Kopitar are getting ready to finalize an eight year eighty million dollar deal. Uh, he's twenty eight, so that'll lock him up through the through the prime years of his career. Um, I was talking with Chris a little bit before the show, and they put some some side by side comparisons up with a blank face next to him on uh, on the National Hockey Network tonight as I was watching the coverage of it, and uh, went down went down the stats side by side, pretty much comparable both sides until they got to like seventy plus point seasons where he has five and then the other player had one. And so I'm trying to think of the guys who's maybe 50, 60 points on average. And I, I didn't guess it, but the other players, Jonathan Taves, surprising to me. Um, but with his $10.5 million salary, I was hoping they would, you know, cut him nine, $9.5 million, save, save something on the cap. But I guess if that's the market value for for number one centers in the league and two-way, both, I mean, both players are phenomenal, uh, two-way responsible centers. Selkie finalists and what have you, but um, I guess I guess ten million a year's market salary. Um, Chris, what if any effect do you think that's going to have on what Stamkos is going to call his agent and say? Hey, if if Kopitar got ten and I scored sixty goals in this league, you're going to get me you're going to get me twelve thirteen out of uh, Tampa down there. You think there's any correlation in that? Well, you definitely. Uh he could definitely have a platform of, you know, any talk of, look, we're going to give you a max deal, but we need you to, you know, work with us a little bit on the annual value. That's out the window now. You know, Kopitar uh, got 10, who he's the third player to hit hit the uh, 10 million mark, the other Taze and Kane. I mean, Stamkos is probably looking at, you know, bare minimum 11 a year. I mean, he'll easily get that. He hits the open market. He might even get twelve if he if he went to the open market. Now, granted, if he went to the open market, uh, he, he his max uh, the most he can get is a seven year deal, versus Tampa can give him an eight year deal. So I, I think that was probably the only thing that struck me about the Kopitar deal, uh, because uh, he was going to get out. The Kings could give him an eight year deal. I thought the number would be a little bit lighter. I thought it would be you know somewhere between eight and a half to let's say nine million. Uh, I did not uh, expect it to get up to 10. Uh, I understand it. But basically, to me, he got a max deal. I mean, it's a huge win for him. He got a max deal, eight-year deal, at $10 million a year, which is probably the best-case scenario if he hit the open market. And it's a huge win for the Players Association because any time a player can break new heights or, uh, you know, I mean, we're starting to set the standard that, if you're a franchise player, uh, if you will, uh, you got to get at least ten million dollars. So I think that's what today uh, signaled to me. I I kind of I kind of agree with that. I was kind of surprised with that his his annual value is higher than Ovechkin, knowing what Ovechkin does. Um, just recording his five hundredth goal in you know the, I think it's third or fourth fastest to five hundred goals. And Kopitar is going to end up getting paid more than than Ovi. So, it, <coughs> excuse me. Inter, interesting, uh, interesting developments there. I was hoping. I think eight and a half was maybe a little bit uh, pipe dreamish on your part there. Um, I was thinking nine, nine and a half would be right about where he stood. Um, Matt, what do you think? Do you agree with Chris on how that's going to how the ripple effects are going to come down on that? Oh, I, I think so, definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth on how 
Steve Eiserman has to be feeling right about now. If if maybe he's feeling better about giving Stamkos ten million, ten million plus, or or maybe he can use this as leverage and say, well, okay, Kopitar took ten mil a year and he's got two Stanley Cup rings, and Stamkos has none. So does it give him leverage? I I don't know. Uh, I guess we will find out. But uh, my my big question is is what is Dean Lombardi's end game here? Because you know it, they say in chess you got to think three moves ahead, and I think GMs have to do the same thing. And you look at what he Kopitar sounds like he's going to get ten mil a year for eight years. He's already got Marion Gabrick signed through twenty twenty one at four point eight mil. A year, he's got Dustin Brown signed through 2022 at 5.8 mil. Jeff Carter through 2022 at 5.2 mil. Um, I have to think because they're up against the cap already. Uh, so that tells me that uh, Lucic is gone, and uh, other people, other pieces are going to have to move out as well. Because uh, as of right now, they've only got three defensemen under contract for next year, and and the ones that that are either UFAs or Braden McNabb is restricted. But uh, the UFAs, you know, they're currently making one point eight, one point five, uh, and six hundred thousand a year. Uh, Don't forget Tyler Toffoli. He's uh, he his contract ends after next year, and he's going to get a significant raise. Yeah, I saw to see. I know they want to keep Luchis in the worst way, but uh, the math don't add up. Well, the, no. the the question going around on the internet is is who's going to get traded, Gabarik or Brown? And my response to that is that Dean Lombardi is loyal to a, to a fault, as we saw with the Mike Richards deal and how that all played out. Um, probably should have used a buyout on him a year be- before everything went down. And that tells me Dustin Brown is probably a king to life. Uh, obviously, the first king to ever lift the Stanley Cup as a captain. Um, so that tells me. And Gabrick's that's a pretty cap-friendly deal for someone with his. I know he's getting older now, but for his for his skill set, that's uh, could be an attractive piece that they could move. Um, that another team look, of, looking for scoring. There's a lot of years, though, left on, on those deals, though, right, Mark, in, in terms of both Brown and Gabrick. I, I don't think the problem with them is so it's so terrible in terms of, like you said, how much they're making per year, even though it's a good chunk of change. It, but it's the amount of years. That's, that's the worrisome part, I would say. And where are they going to be three – where are their games going to be three years from now? Well, that's a point a lot of people are making on the Dustin Brown thing is that – um, he's, right. He was a thirty-goal scorer twice early early in his career, and the but the physical brand that 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 guy brings to the ice every night, he's got dog ears on him, <laughs> physically. You know what I mean? Um, so his his, uh, his production has been been at least goal scoring wise. He's he came into camp in, in probably the best shape of his career, and he's he's doing everything but scoring goals right now. Um, he's actually having a real really good year, I think. Um, but yeah, that you know, it was the same thing with trying to get Luongo out of out of Vancouver. He he came, Luongo came right out and said, "My contract sucks. That's why they can't move me." Um, so you know what? If any GM in the league can manage it, um, I think Dean Lombardi can. I think he does have that that he has this little whiteboard with the boxes of what slots in where and who's coming up and who's going. And um, if anybody can can make that work. I think Dean Lombardi can. He's impressed me as as a general manager in the last six, seven years with this club. So I, I guess that all plays out. I know the core with and, – and, Matt, you didn't mention uh, Quick and Dowdy. I think combined they take up $14 million of cap space too. But, you know, that's part of the core. So the, the core is locked up long term, which is always good. But uh, you got to you got to put some pawns – you know, you got to – Sacrifice a pawn to protect a bishop once in a while, <laughs> to use your chess analogy. 
Um, Very nice. Yeah, yeah. I like how that went. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's uh, that let's move on. I know Chris wanted to talk about what's uh, what's what Winnipeg's facing, and and it's kind of a cap game, cap numbers game as well with Bufflin and Ladd coming up against. Uh, both UFAs and not looking like Winnipeg's going to make the playoffs this year. So, Chris's Chris's question tonight is: uh, Who do they move? Do they move them both? Do they move neither? Uh, I'm going to give Matt the first crack at this one. What do you think, Matt? I would say that uh, they're going to have to move at least one of them, uh, and the the reason for that is is uh, it's financial. Really, I mean, they, they are a budget team. Uh, they cannot spend to the cap because they play in the league's smallest arena and they play in Canada. And I don't know if you guys saw, but yesterday the loony fell below 70 cents U.S. Ouch. Um, yeah. And uh, so it's, it's going to impact the cap. It's going to impact the revenues of all the Canadian teams and and playing in an arena that only seats 15,294 for hockey um, in Canada, they're behind the eight ball. So uh, the, the question then is, is do, they, do they move one or both? And, and I think um, the most likely candidate would be Bufflin. I, I think they will keep Ladd for a couple reasons. One, um, because he wouldn't bring as much back in in trade as they would like, uh, because he is already 30 years old, and you know his shooting percentage has declined. Uh, he's in the third year of a decline right now. He's overall still putting up good numbers, but but the shooting percentage is on the way down, and he's the team captain, uh, and uh, they. They sew the letter on. They don't put it on with Velcro. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think they'll keep Lad, um, and they'll move Bufflin, and I think they will be looking for uh, something. They like forward help for one thing. Uh, if they could get heck, if they could get a top six forward uh, for Bufflin, I, I think they would move him tonight. What's his cap hit? Uh, uh, his cap hit right now. You would ask me that. Uh, how about Chris? I think it's five seven five. How about a, five seven five? How about a Gabrick for Bufflin straight up? You're you're asking me this? Yeah. <laughs> you said they need forward help. There's one right there. They they do need forward help, but but I would be of Gabrick's contract because he's he is signed until age 40 and and oh. I think he's already on the decline yeah really. I agree well Chris I, let me I think let me get Chris Chris I, Chris go go ahead finish your thought I'm sorry uh, well I was just gonna throw in one last thought and about Gabrick and that's it I could see if Lombardi can't move Gabrick I could see him being left exposed in an expansion draft. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Chris, what's your thoughts on that? I know, I know you posed the question, so I'll throw it to you. Where are you at? I think Matt is spot on in everything he said, and I think that's how it's going to play out. But I think the smart, even the economics of the situation aside, I think the smart hockey move is to move them both. Buffalo's going to be thirty-one in March. Lad just turned 30. Uh, Bufflin's style of play, and a Bufflin game I, I don't think has really deteriorated much, but his style of play, he's going to get, uh, he's looking about a, you know, a seven-year deal at, you know, six and a half to seven million. Uh, you know, Lad, if you told me I could re-sign Lad for a four-year deal, okay. But if it's, you know, he's going to get a six-year deal at six, six and a half, uh, you know, Again, uh, in the salary cap world, I'm not. You know, I'm going to be paying someone who's 35 years old, who really should be a two million, two million dollar player. Well, let's uh, let's finish up after the break, Chris. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us. 
the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. And we're back from the break. Thanks for uh, putting up with our little little segues there. Sometimes, sometimes we come right up to the button, and uh, we just got to jump out. That was uh, that one was running pretty tight. But Chris, we were talking about the Winnipeg and what they're going to do with either Bufflin or Ladd. And if you want to, you want to pick up and finish that thought before we get to the Panthers talk. Go for it. Yeah, I would. I, so, and, and uh, just. Sum it up. I would trade both of them. Then I would have a ton of camp space for this off season. I know I agree with Matt. They are a bunch of team, but you know maybe a guy like uh, we're talking off air, a guy like Louis Erickson becomes the UFA on July first, or Kyle Oposo, different kind of players, but you know um, you know gain more assets, even though they have a, arguably the best pipeline in the sport. And uh, you know I'm going to spend that kind of money. I'm going to spend it on someone who's you know. 27 or 28 and not 31 and 30. So, um, but that, that's me. I would move them both. I know from a PR standpoint, uh, I don't know how, how that would be sold, but uh, they'll love, if I was the GM, I think they might, they might hate me in February, but with my plan, they'll love me in July. Hopefully they'll love you the next June if you're playing deep into the playoffs. <laughs> but here's my right, thought on right. it. Here's my thought on it, and I'm going to take an alternate uh, alternate tact here. And Matt touched on it a little bit with the the value of the loony dipping. What what worries me is that with with the Jets coming coming home basically, um, and by all accounts the 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 successful re replanting of the franchise there um are we concerned with the message that that sends to a their fan base and and maybe be the expansion committee and how things might look in quebec city and see the the rest of the league in general that um that still is going to be a struggle financially especially with the value of that loony for for the Let's say mid to lower market Canadian teams. Um, you, you've got obviously the fans in Winnipeg are great, and if anybody's there listening, I'm 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 all for it. When the whiteout in, in the playoffs last year, it's something that we the league has missed for years, and uh, it was a beautiful thing to see. But somehow, some way, in order to keep that momentum going, I feel like you have to find a way to sign and keep both players, whether you go over your budget. Um, you have to, you know, the, the old thing is you negotiate from a position of strength. And if, I mean, if nothing else to maybe falsely put out a perception, but nonetheless um, create create a perception that, that you know it can work in a mid-market smaller market canadian team um i don't know they the people in that executive committee are a whole lot smarter than me but they have to be looking at that loony value and if winnipeg jettisons you know two of their franchise players at the deadline just basically based on money that can't be a good look for quebec city i wouldn't think what do you guys what is your take on that i kind of went off the wall a little bit Real quick, uh, my answer to that would be if I was the Jets GM, would be I'm not afraid whatsoever of signing a player to six to seven million dollar deals on on six to seven year deals. But uh, I'm not going to give it to a play, players that are just in their 30s that only have so many prime years left, and I'm I'm going to spend it on you know players that uh, who are, who who are younger. Ask uh, the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, how they feel about the Matt Molson deal right now. Um, you know, just because someone out there will, if they hit the open market, there's no doubt in my mind there will be multiple teams willing to give Buffalo, in, let's say, a seven-year deal at six and a half, six point seven five, maybe even more, and Lad to get at least a six-year deal at six and a half. That doesn't mean it's the right move. No, for um, sure. You know, I can I can count I, I can count the ways of of overpaying good players that have put teams in cap hell 
and then they're stuck, and you can't move those contracts. You cannot move, the Sabres cannot move Matt Molson, who was making $5 million a year. Uh, I believe this is his second year, uh, a five-year deal. I mean, I, I, I don't mean to, I like Matt Molson. He was great when he was here with the Islanders. Scored thirty goals every year. I mean, it absolutely. I'm a fan. There. I'm a fan of Matt Molson for sure. Me, me, me too. But I think you have to you have to look at the big picture. And you, you know, again, the proof's in the pudding. I think if you if you make those kind of moves this February, and there are going to be people available, you know, come come July, and you know, you make a move in July. I, I don't I don't think you have that kind of crisis to show like, oh, we're a small market team. We I, I think it's just make. I just. I think it's a small. I think you're being small in how you're running your franchise. I I can see that point. That that would definitely be the point where you you got to make. Uh, you know, pu- publicly, like you said, that would be your answer to a question if someone threw it at him in an interview room or whatever. Um, let's uh, let's let's get over to the uh, Atlantic Division here. We're six minutes into this segment already, and we haven't even touched on it. Um, so, Matt, aside from the uh, Canadians leading the division with the – wait, wait, wait. Uh, with Tampa Bay up there uh, after their cup run – hold on. Some, something's weird. I'm looking at this. It's, uh, you know, something's wrong here. I got Florida Panthers with, with a six-point lead at the halfway mark of the season here. What is going on in Florida, man? Uh, you know, they got hot. Extremely it got hot. That, that's all there is to it. Uh, they well, you remember last year when when Ottawa and Minnesota went on those incredible runs because they they had Minnesota had Dubnik, Ottawa had the Hamburglar, and uh, uh, that's pretty much what Florida did over the last thirteen games. Yeah, I'll, I'll count their overtime loss to Vancouver in there as well because they still got a point. Sure. But just incredible goaltending, uh, first and foremost. Um, Al Montoya's save percentage on the year is 940, and his goals against is 1.62. Luongo's save percentage is 930, and his goals against is 2.08. He... They led the charge because uh, um, Florida was outshot in seven of those 12 wins. Uh, And that's been an issue throughout the season. Their puck possession is a problem for Florida. Team defense is not. Uh, If you watched any of the games, what what I saw, the, the common theme I saw was that opposing teams would bring the puck into the Florida zone They'd have to cycle it around a bit, trying to get a shot because the Panthers clogged up the shooting lanes, and they'd finally get a shot off, and there's no rebound because either the goalie swallowed it up, whichever goalie it was, didn't matter. Either the goalie swallowed it up or there was a defenseman there to to sweep the rebound away. And so no second chances. You've got one literally one shot to score against Florida. you got to beat the goalie with the first shot or you're not going to score. And, and they just, they rode that. They, they rode Luongo and Montoya, and, and they played good team defense, and, uh, and their shooting percentage was crazy. Uh, I think they scored 70, 73% of their goals at even strength. Who? Uh, That's outstanding. So, yeah, it's it's kind of like you know because we've we've turned the corner now. We're heading into 2016, and uh, spring training is just around the corner. Uh, so so I'll use a baseball analogy. Watching this 12 game win streak was kind of like watching the montage in Bull Durham when everything came together and and the team just couldn't lose. Yep, same thing. Same thing, but on ice. So I was I was looking at the stats, and uh, one thing to I mean to back up your point for sure. Um, leading the league in in uh, goals allowed at I think two point one two. 
for sure. We talked we talked a little bit about the Panthers a uh, couple times ago when you were on the show, and we were kind of you know playing coach with who's going to pair with who, and it was it was early in the season, and they were still mixing up their defensive pairings a little bit, but uh, that all seems to have been settled quite nicely. Uh, yeah, it, well, it, of course, in a state of flux now because Ekblad's out. Right, unfortunately. But, but uh, one move they did make was uh, they split up Mitchell and Goodbranson. Which we actually uh, talked about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they needed to do that. If you if you go on Pucalytics.com and, and look at their wowie stats, uh, their their uh, Corsi together is 40.8%, and then apart, I think Mitchell is about 44%, and Good Branson's 48%. So uh, they just, it, it's a case of uh, two negatives making a bigger negative. And, right, right. Uh, so they, they, they split them up, and that helped a little bit, but, but uh, I think the bigger issue for Florida is the forwards. Uh, puck possession among the forwards because they, other than the top line of, of Huberto, Barkov, and Yager, they just can't generate sustained pressure. They can't take over the puck, get it into the offensive zone, and keep it there. And uh, that that is an issue that they need to correct. You know, Dale Talon has talked about maybe swinging a deal at the deadline to bring in some scoring help. I think more than scoring help, he needs someone with with good Corsi, someone who's going to drive puck possession, um, who is not a defenseman, but um, a forward, someone like, say, Louis Erickson. There you go. Chris, uh, what do, you, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I I, uh, I want Matt to put on his mad scientist GM coat because I have a proposal for him. And it's good ties to what we were talking about in the first segment. And that is, if I was the Winnipeg Jets GM, I would call Matt and say, Matt, great job so far. But, you know, your team really needs to make the playoffs for a lot of reasons. And, you know, Matt, you guys haven't won a playoff series since, I think, the year 2000. So I'm going to offer you a deal. And not only are you going to make the playoffs easily, but you're going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals because with this, you get these players to your team, you're coming out of the Atlantic. And that is, I'm going to offer you Dustin Bufflin and Andrew Ladd. And I'm not going to ask for anybody off your main roster. And I'm not going to be a greedy GM. I'm not going to ask you to give up the store. But as Mark would tell you from our preview draft podcast, I'm a very big Lawson Krauss fan. I'm a charter member of the Lawson Krauss fan club, even though I got a lot of uh, beat up for that on, on that show. But I, so I want Lawson Krauss back with those two players. And, you know, sprinkle in a couple of draft picks, nothing crazy, a couple of threes, you know, throwing a secondary prospect, and we got a deal. And you're going to be at least in the Eastern Conference Finals to say the bare minimum. What do you say? Oh, man. He's, he makes um, a good pitch. It, it is a good pitch. It is a good pitch. And I think Bufflin for Kraus, uh, that... That, and you get could be, that could be doable. Now, Lad, I'm not sure that Florida would want Lad uh, because his his possession numbers are actually not very good. He's his uh, Corsi relative number is uh, negative, so he's he, he would help not you. A, he would help you help you on that anemic power play of yours, though. Well, that's. That's true. Um, Very good power play player. That I I can and, and both both are leaders too. Both you know you're getting guys thirty yeah. thirty one. So uh, you know both are 
those kind of leadership qualities. Ten, ten well, seconds to make up your mind. Or I, ten seconds, or I'm calling the next team. Okay. What do you got, Matt? Yes or no? Uh, you know, I think Dale. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us. The Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk-radio-format streaming station. Check it out. And we're back again. Sorry about that. You got about eight seconds left, and I'm and I'm calling uh, I'm calling Montreal to see if they want to do a deal. What do you got, Matt? Well, I would I would have to say because Talon's got a relationship with Bufflin dating back to Chicago. I think there is a good chance that that Bufflin would re-sign with Florida. So yeah, I'd pull the trigger on that trade. That's I, I like that trade for for I mean we were talking just for a second there and I think that's the kind of trade that could get the fan you know the fan base there in, in Sunrise out to the arena you're you're showing your fans that that you're you're gonna make this run and and you're all in for it and it also tells your team that you're all in for it as well um, where they're sitting right now there's there's a good a real good shot that they're gonna have some home ice early in the playoffs. And you want a full stadium, and I think that's the kind of trade that that franchise could use right now, Chris. I like where your head's at with that. Hey, Mark, I know you're a big Lawson. You would give me the business on the the draft prep show, so I know you're a big Lawson Krause fan. So, from a Winnipeg standpoint, you I, I would think you would like the fact that they would add a guy like Krause who, you know. Uh, very well, could be ready. He was all, he almost made the team this year. I could be wrong on that, but Matt can back me up on that. But uh, you know, he, I think he was the last last cut. Yeah, yeah. I think so. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, so uh, you know, from a Winnipeg standpoint, uh, you know, and you know, again, we're talking about they need top six forwards. I mean, I know he's a youngster, but he's definitely uh, got an excellent chance to be a top six forward in this league. Yeah, I, I and if it didn't if it didn't work out, you could let one or both of them walk at the end of the year, and you don't have any purse strings tied to them either in Florida. For I'm is what I'm saying. So, <coughs> excuse me, I'm still getting over that cold too. Uh, good trade, good trade. I guess the only other thing is, and that, I guess this is more the only other question after Matt was, and I alluded to it in, in that trade and trying to uh, push him over the edge there. Talking about the Panther power play, and I don't have to tell Matt. I mean, the Panthers play every game is a one goal game. I mean, you know, it's two one, it's three two. I'm sure, uh, I you know, with they're in good position to make the playoffs. They make the playoffs. That will continue. And I can tell you, as being a diehard Islander fan, uh, what cost them or the difference? I shouldn't say cost them. The difference in the series between them and the Caps last year. Uh, losing in seven games, losing by one goal, was they went 0 for 14 in that series uh, on the power play. And that, to me, is something that they have to attack uh, between now and the trade deadline, because uh, right now they have the 27th-ranked power play. And, you know, it, again, no one's asking them to have the Bruin power play, but at least get to a level of somewhat respectability, and, you know, especially teams in the playoffs. So how do you feel about that, Matt? Oh, I agree. Definitely, the power play is is an area that can use improvement, and uh, I I think that is a reason that Dale Talon's going to have to bring in at least one forward. And uh, for me, the only question is which one will it be? Will it be Andrew Ladd along with Dustin Bufflin? The the two of them combined could could help out the power play definitely. Uh, but uh, other possibilities, I think, uh, beyond Louis Erickson, uh, I, because I don't know about trading within the division, especially with Boston just right on the edge of making the playoffs. I don't know if they could pull that off, but uh, Scott Hartnell is another one. Um, yep. I, I think I think Hartnell, Hartnell would be a great fit 
in Florida because he's a possession driver. He's a guy that's not afraid to go to the greasy areas of the ice, and and that's what they're lacking right now, really. What about, they, they, what about uh, Eric Stoll? What do you think of Eric Stoll for the Panthers? Uh, that's another one that that could work, but it, now with him, I see I see that as just being a rental. I don't right. believe they could re-sign him. I don't believe they'd be interested in in signing him uh, to any sort of a long-term deal. Uh, but uh, Eric Stahl is an intriguing possibility, and another one that would make a huge splash, uh, just like Bufflin and Ladd coming to South Florida. If if Talon were able to pull off a trade for Eric Stahl, that would that would be earth shaking. And and really, the the exciting thing about the the Panthers is that their attendance is already on the way up. Uh, just just over the course of this win streak, uh, they had uh, let's see six home games uh, in the twelve wins, and their average attendance for those. Six games was uh, about sixteen thousand seven hundred, and prior to the streak, they were averaging just under thirteen thousand at, at home. Now they're just over nice. fourteen thousand. And that that kind of leads me into what I my my next question for you was uh, going back to the the city council vote there, where they they guaranteed them. I think it was eighty-six million or seventy-eight million over the next seven years, um, as a, as a subsidy to offset any losses that they had. That corresponded right about the time the win streaks started. Uh, maybe predated it by a little bit, but not by much. Do you think? And it's kind of just a general question: Does that settle the players down at all? If uh, they, you know, the the guys on the contracts there. They know they have a home. I know. I know it affected Arizona because some of those guys came out um, with, when they were trying to get their lease deal done the first time before their city council lost their mind, um, and they flat out said, "I'm not going to resign here because I don't know if the franchise is going to be here," and left the team. Does that? Uh, you think that gave them a little settling effect and just let them go out and play hockey somewhere in the back of their minds? Do you think there's any correlation to that? You know, I, I think there has to be some sort of impact. I, I actually asked that question of Vernon Fiddler a while back uh, because, you know, he came to – first he played uh, for Nashville, and they've always had financial issues, or I shouldn't say always, but while he was there, they had some financial issues. He went from Nashville to Arizona, and from there – to Dallas, and he got to Dallas just in time for the team to go into bankruptcy, and and so I wow. I asked him, you know, how much does that impact the, you as a player? And and his response was straightforward. He said, you know, we let the suits take care of that, and we control what we can control, and that's what happens on the ice. So we just don't worry about it. But you you have to think. These guys, uh, so many of them, you know, they've got wives, they've got kids. Uh, they're thinking about buying a house as opposed to renting an apartment. And uh, and someone like Roberto Luongo. Yeah, where the kid. I'm sorry, go ahead. Where the kids are going to go to school. Right. Yeah, where the kids are going to go to school. Gives, there's there's more to it than the on-ice pressures for sure. Right. And, and uh, Roberto Luongo, you know, the guy loves South Florida. He loves it. He wanted to come back to Florida, and uh, it, clearly, he's happy to be there. Uh, you, I think his stats back that up. And and uh, so, with with the uh, with Broward County making the decision they did, uh, that I think uh, for people like Luongo, that just gave them peace of mind. That's that's one more thing they don't have to worry about. And uh, and we saw the result. So yeah, I think there's definitely sure. a correlation I, there. All right, that's uh, I, that's kind of what I was thinking, but um, I don't know. I'm just a hack, you know. <laughs> the other uh, the other the other thing I wanted to ask you, 
is now we're at the 40, 41, 42 game mark here. And uh, I want to know where your playoff predictor formula, who's in, who's out. I know we touched on that last time. I want I want the updated copy of that. What do you got? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked, sir, because <laughs> <laughs> first and foremost, the Florida Panthers are in the playoffs. All right, I love it. It, uh, it shouldn't come as any great surprise, but but the truth is, at game forty, before the streak even came to an end, as of game forty, they were in. And okay, so they can they can start printing up playoff tickets now in Sunrise, and and the fans can start getting really excited because it's going to happen this year. Was anyone I'm going to else, print out some sportsbook tickets. Was anyone else in from the East, uh, Matt, other than uh, the Capitals? Let's see. Now, the last time we spoke, did did I already... I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. Did I, did I grudgingly... Did I grudgingly admit that the Islanders were in? Uh, after game 30. Sorry. I don't think... I don't, I, I think after the, the the next ten games, we're not where they should have been. So I would think after Game Forty, only I would think on your curve, only the Panthers and I could be uh, only the Panthers and Capitals would would be kind of those locks. But you tell me. Well, where the curve is concerned, once you are in, you are in, oh. and once you are oh, out, right. you are out. Yes. So. So. I mean, why don't you run down the whole list for us? Give us a give us a recap right now. Who's in? Uh, just just run down the list right okay. now. Okay, uh, let's see. Eastern Conference, uh, the new addition as far as teams in the playoffs. The new addition is Florida. Um, Montreal is in, as are the Islanders, the Rangers, and of course the Capitals. Uh, the teams in the Eastern Conference that are out, uh, teams. Seasons will end on April 9th are Buffalo, Toronto, Carolina, Columbus, and Philadelphia. And everyone else is still fighting for the remaining three playoff spots. Wow. And in the Western okay. Conference, there are two new additions to the playoff club, and those two are... No surprises, Chicago and St. Louis. They joined Dallas, Minnesota, and Los Angeles. I was the, I didn't think I had the Kings in the last time. Like, wait a minute. No, wait, no. I, I, I for, sh- for sure didn't have the Kings in last time. Me right. and Chris got some good news tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the, Kings, the Kings are the only Pacific Division team in the playoffs as of right now. Um, no, the, no. the uh, teams that are out in the Western Conference are Colorado, Winnipeg, Calgary, and Edmonton. And and of those, I would say I'm a bit worried about Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, those those two calls, I could be proven wrong. It, it seems that every year there are one or two calls that don't pan out, those two could be it. But we shall see. As of right now, they're out. Actually, Mark, you know, I, no, just, thought, I, I just thought of something, Mark. You know, your Kings are really screwing up because by winning the division, they're going to draw someone like Nashville in the first round, whereas if they finish in second, they would get, you know, either Arizona or San Jose or a disappointing Calgary or Anaheim team, with, you know, where they would be a huge favorite. Well, you know, after sneaking in the playoffs on the last day of the season in 2012 and then missing the playoffs last year, I'm going to go ahead and be okay with them uh, running away with it this year. Okay, you don't want you don't want you don't you don't want any regular season drama. No, I'm 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 done with that actually. It's been even even 2 years ago. I mean, both years they won the cup. The 2012 they got in on the second to the last day and 2014 I think they didn't clinch until 4 4 days before the end of the season. So, um I'm okay with a Pacific Division title there, sir. 
Because I know, I know, not that you haven't let it go, but I know for a fact you can recipher me and Matt right now the last two weeks of the regular season of what the Kings went through and uh, the games they lost. I don't remember that. I know you. I don't know what. So that we're, we're going to go on and take a break right now, and uh, we'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. And we're back for the final segment. Once again, this is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, which I'm sure you know by now, along with Chris Lisa and Matt Pryor. We're just finishing up our Florida Panthers talk. I'm going to give Matt one last shot here. Um, we, we just put him in the playoffs. How far do they go? Is, is this the uh, get in the first round, gain the experience, uh, happy to be here, or are, are they constructed to uh, maybe make a little run here? I think if Dale Talon can bring in at least one forward at the deadline who can help the power play, help drive possession, I think this is the year that they win at least one round. All right. I think I think everything is leaning that way. I think they can really do it. All right. All right. I love it. Go Put it right out there. Hey, I wanted to ask too: Is there an update on Ekblad? How long he's going to be out for? No, he's day to day. You know, they, of course, they just say upper body, but that's uh, Latin for concussion, right? Uh, so oh. we we shall see. At least they haven't put him in week to week status. Uh, man, Clifford took an elbow. Jeez, early December by now, mm. and. Uh, He's barely starting to skate, so I hope that's not the case. That could uh, that could put a crimp in their plans there. I'm gonna go on. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there too. If anybody in your Eastern Conference out team can put a little run together, I'm gonna call Philly. They're only uh, what three or four yeah. points out of that that wild card behind Boston right now, and they're playing tonight. I think. Uh, I'm gonna call Philly. Could yeah. could and if the Rangers keep uh, kind of treading water or, or trending down, I might take them out. But uh, I'm not going against your system. Ninety percent is ninety percent, bro. I can't I can't argue with that. But uh, if I got to go dark horse on on the the out getting the in, I'm gonna say Philly. And it, the the Rangers better pick it up. They they. <clears throat> I don't know what's going on up you in know, New York. I, I can't disagree with that. I mean, the the Rangers have had a nice little turnaround of late. They took advantage of a tired Stars team and and pounded them six to two at the Garden. Right. They beat Boston the other night two to one. Uh, so maybe maybe things are starting to stabilize in New York. Uh, but uh, I think you're right let's, about let's Philly. Not hope, let's not hope so in terms of tomorrow night, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be fun. Copy that. <laughs> Where, where's that game at? Is that in uh, Brooklyn? Uh, it's, a, it's, it's in Brooklyn. It's the last time they play in Brooklyn. They only play each other four times this year. Okay. Which is well, and, then, and then seven times in the first round. Uh, right. Yeah, that's, that's what's going to happen. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty convinced. I wrote an article at the Hockey Writer a couple weeks ago about it. Uh, I'm pretty convinced... Uh, Unless something very strange happens, and uh, that would be a gigantic. Because neither team's catching the Capitals. That's no, clear. I think. And, that, yeah. uh, shame on either one of them if one of the if the uh, one of the other teams catches them because they're better than everyone. At, both of them are better than everyone else in the division, and they have uh, they have a little bit of a lead, although it is a little bit of a lead, but just a little. But those teams uh, should be uh, finishing second and third uh, in some order. Which would mean yes, the first round matchup between the Islands and Rangers, and it's been a long time since those two teams uh, met in the playoffs. How would that be down in the in the city, going back from Brooklyn to MSG? That that would uh, 
That'd be Bedlam, wouldn't it? More, 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 more intense. Uh, a, little, a little more intense being down in Brooklyn than up, up on the north, up on the north there. You think? It it would be an intense series. There's no, there's no doubt about. There'd be no, there'd be no doubt about that. Well, all right. Let's uh, Vegas hockey podcast. Uh, some expansion news to get to the the, and I don't know if it was a planned meeting or a hastily called meeting or a a planned hush hush meeting. But uh, today's Wednesday, and the the executive board did meet today regarding expansion. Um, they kind of gave the same same lip service that they're meeting to resolve any questions that they had blah 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 um and i haven't i haven't heard any any scuttlebutt of any any news that came out of that yet but uh we'll be sure and pass that on as soon as as soon as we find out what's going on my money still says um the next meeting schedule is january 30th in nashville uh 31st is the all-star game and I, we all know Gary Bettman likes the spotlights, so um, my money is still on an an All Star Game announcement that Las Vegas will get its first major sports franchise at the All Star Game, January thirty first. I'm gonna say bank it. The, we're we're too far down the rabbit hole. If and I said this, I was a guest on the Sinbin podcast here a couple weeks ago, and if the league pulls the plug on this after the ticket drive and people putting their money up and a $400 million arena gets built, privately funded. You have an owner who's going to privately fund the $500 million expansion fee. There's not going to be any red tape with city councils and, and memorandums of understanding like they have in Seattle and blah, blah, blah. If this package is denied by the league, don't come back to Las Vegas. You will never have a home here. And I'm telling you right now, the people of Las Vegas won't won't play that game again. If this was some grand stunt to entice Seattle to build an arena and that didn't work out and now Quebec City uh, with the loony below 70 cents and, and it doesn't look like my money would be on a one-team expansion and Las Vegas getting that team, but if this was, uh, they've publicly said they want a team in Seattle, and they've never really said that about Las Vegas. It's always been, well, pretty impressed with the ticket drive, but we're going to go through the process. And, but they've already they've publicly said they want to put a team in Seattle, and when that didn't work, um, and nobody put in a bid, I think uh, to use the Vegas, I think they kind of called their bluff. And with a billion dollars of private money on the table, if the league doesn't come to Las Vegas, don't come back. Um, I think that closes the door on their welcome. You know what I'm saying? But uh, encouraging that they would meet again here a couple weeks before the All-Star game. Um, you come to town for a... Mark, your advice... Go ahead. Mark, your advice to the league is... is uh... Uh, as Nietzsche once said, strike while the iron is hot. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. We have uh, the the cats over at the Sinbin podcast about a little bit ago broke the broke the story that they have the county permit for the uh, practice facility. It's real, you know, real convenient uh, for people in Vegas. It's off Durango and 215. There's that huge, huge lot there. Um, that's where the practice facility is going to be. They can't break ground, obviously, until we know there's got to be a team. But I... Talking with Bill Foley, uh, Mr. Foley, he says 18 months is about the minimum. If you want to start playing the 2017-18 season, uh, you can't really go too much past the All-Star break um, and put the minor league team together, the, the offices together, all the hirings you have to do. you got to get your president, your general manager, blah, blah, blah. Your scouting department's got to be built, um, and then they have to start scouting. Um if if it goes past the All Star break and there's not an announcement, I would think that it won't happen until 2018 if it happens at all. So I don't know, boys. I don't know. So, That's I'm still I'm still. So February first. So if they if they say yes on January 31st, that gives a little over 19 months before the start of training camp. I think it's doable. For the uh, Las Vegas franchise. Yep. I think that's doable for sure. Arena, I, I can't understand why the league would not pounce on this now. It seems it seemed like a couple. I don't think anyone else is ready. Nope. 
It seemed like... No, a, but a, I would... I, I, it's not a problem for the league to go to 31 teams. It really isn't. No, and they've expanded with one team before, so I don't want to hear that. They did say that they wanted to meet today to... Um, I'm just looking at something right now. They wanted to talk about expansion draft parameters and how many forwards, defensemen, and, and whatnot would be avail- would be made available by the other teams. They wanted to discuss amateur draft positioning, and they wanted to – oh, what's the other thing? There's one other thing that they wanted to, to start getting parameters set in place for. So if you go back to the Columbus-Minnesota well, expansion, they picked – third and fourth in the amateur draft the day after they held the expansion draft. So I would think that if Vegas gets a team and they're the only team, they would get a ball in the lottery and they'd be a top five pick, I would think, at, at minimum. What do you What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, those things are not hard. I mean, the three of us, if we got together over a few pints of beer, we could iron that out in a night. Those are not those are not complicated issues. No, and I think that's what probably what they did today is they cracked open a couple bottles of Cristal and decided how they were going to divvy up the five hundred million dollars that they were going to ask Mister Foley for at the All Star break. <laughs> that's what that's what I <laughs> say. We're going to give him this. We're going to give him that. Corks pop the corks. Uh, find out who's buying the Lambo and who's buying the Ferrari, and off we go. So, Matt, Matt, you got any thoughts on that? Any anything to add to that expansion talk? Yes, I, I've got uh, about two, maybe maybe even a bonus thought here. All right. Number one, number one, the fact that they're sitting down and talking about the mechanics of an expansion draft and so forth, if they weren't going to expand, why would they take that step? Not a good point. Why, why would they expend the time and, and energy? Good point. So that's good point. A, I see that as a good that's sign a, right there. That's an, that's an excellent 100%, point. 100%. And number two, I think the fall of the loony may rule out Quebec City getting an expansion team at this time. It, it may mean that it's just Las Vegas. But by the same token, I think it makes adding Las Vegas at this time more of a reality because with with revenues uh, declining for the foreseeable future until the loony turns back around, don't you think they're going to want that $500 million even more? In fact, more than they want it, they're going to need it. And more TV revenue because you're going to have another team on your on a Fox Sports West TV package or whatever channel they end up on. So there's there's more TV money to go around as well. Right. Plus, uh, the, only the, is, the only the only thing is the only thing is Matt. They they always want the five hundred million. Well, that's true. That's true. I I think maybe, but the way I phrased it at the end there, maybe they're going to now need it more than they yeah, want it. Even well, they could go get some Powerball. They get some Powerball tickets, oh, man. Woo! Hey, I, I got, I got, I got my tickets. I tell you right now, if I, if I'm the sole winner, there'll be an announcement in the next couple of weeks of me being a, a partial owner of the Islanders. So nice. <laughs> and and uh, hopefully you get your buddy over here in Vegas uh, a stake in the new team. How about that? I like that call. Well, that's gonna wrap it up. Bonus. What was your bonus point? Oh wait, wait, wait! Do you have a bonus point on the on expansion, Matt? Uh, yes, uh, the bonus point is one of the intangible, at least for now, benefits of expansion. I just saw an article this afternoon about five guys who grew up playing hockey in South Florida, and all five of them signed letters of intent with NCAA Division One schools today. Oh, awesome, awesome. Including one of them signed with Michigan. And, and all five of them grew up watching the Panthers, grew up playing hockey because the Panthers were there. So put an NHL team in Las Vegas and let's grow the game some more. Let's well, grow the talent pool. We got the kid playing for Minnesota. Jason Zucker is from Las Vegas. And uh, the number one pick in next year's draft, Austin Matthews, is from Scottsdale, Arizona. So 
the 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 proof is is there and and the five kids out of florida just reinforced the point that it you know you put it there but then you have to wait for those kids to grow up and and it it's like when you when you when you bring five freshmen into play it's not the fab five every year you have to wait and as that team disbanded you didn't get the growth so when you leave the team in the, then you get the growth so uh, on that, we've only got about 20 seconds left. You guys can uh, follow follow Matt on Twitter. You're at BigTex26, is that correct? Uh, BigTex1926. 1926. All right, well, we're going to have to let you go, and we're gone.